It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, this is not basketball related, but if you were advising an athlete, would you advise against uh, going to a post-round press conference and <laughs> blasting a major sponsor? Would you think that would be a good move? Yeah, probably not a, a great move unless you just like setting fire to money, you know, if that's your thing. <laughs> Sam, do you blame your clubs when you have an off-round? Uh, I'm not a golfer, which is uh, unfortunate right now i actually just got settled in my hotel in scottsdale and i'm staring at what i'm sure is a very fancy golf course that i will not be using so uh <laughs> that's going to be lost on me but yeah golf evaded me years ago i played it for a few years and i'm one of those people that you know that gets doesn't enjoy it because I, I don't like not being good at stuff <laughs> <laughs> well sam so. Doesn't stop us, does it, Diego? No, it does not. No, uh, these these finals have gotten very good, Sam. And uh, you know, maybe we'll start off with a with a broad question. Just kind of give us your overall take on these two teams going back and forth. It's it's really turned turned into be a, a really great series. No, I agree. It's been it's been fun. I mean, it's funny. Uh, I think because you know we had seen the Clippers come back from multiple two nothing deficits and. You know, and I obviously covered the Cavs coming back from 3-1 in the finals five years ago. And you kind of reach a point where when a team goes up 2 nothing, I've tried to train myself to not get suckered into, you know, that thing where it's like, all right, I don't know if it means that the Bucks are going to win, but, like, we are a little guilty of whenever it's 2-0, everybody stops paying attention for a little bit because they feel like it's unofficially over. And then every time, man, you get reminded. It's like, well, you know, the, both teams took care of home floor, and now you got a best of three, and it should be a lot of fun. I mean, last night was incredible. It was, it was like, you know, the very imperfect game um, from both sides. You know, the turnovers and the sloppiness on the Sun side that that you know ends up costing them Devin Booker's vintage performance, and then with the Bucks, you know, so many positives, but then also just the, can't hit three point shots and. Giannis being really good offensively, but struggling to get to the rim like he had before. Um, but, you know, they, they made a few more plays. They they got, I think, 17 more shots or something like that, which is incredible. But, uh, yeah, fun series. So, Sam, Jake and I were trying to figure out earlier in the show, is Giannis hurt and he's hiding it well? Or did he make a miraculous uh, recovery and is just playing – because he he doesn't hurt, he's not suffering from this at all. We we're not sure. I mean, I can't say definitively. I my sense is that that it's in between, right? Where it's it's not. You know, I think he he kind of alluded to it last night that you know I'm not going to be 100 percent until the season's over and I get to work on it. I mean, it feels like he's probably around 85 or 90. Um, but I mean, you watch the block, you know, and it's not often that, you know, I choose to write 1800 words about one play, <laughs> um, which I enjoyed doing last night. And that block, you know, he reads the lob from Devin Booker, kind of baits him into throwing it, covers all that ground, gets back to uh, DeAndre Aiden. But 
what was kind of lost and that admittedly I forgot to write in the column was that he launched off the same knee and the same leg that was hurt. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, you know, you can look at that and you say, all right, you know, when it matters most, he's obviously uh, healthy enough to, to get the job done because that play was incredible. Sam, I admittedly try to uh, appreciate defense because it doesn't seem like uh, a lot of fans out there do. And um, I guess how valuable is Drew Holiday? I mean, is you know that acquisition has been somewhat controversial. People have debated whether it was worth it or not. But in my opinion, if you can go out and cause the other team's star player, Chris Paul, to really have to work to have an impact, I mean, that's that's extraordinarily valuable. It is. I mean, it's you know people want. Here's the problem with the NBA, or at least whatever your flavor, your your preference is, it might not be a problem to you, but it's such an offensive-minded league and a fan base that when a guy is a very good offensive player and a tremendous defensive player, then more often than not, when he has nights that kind of reflect who he is, where you might be inconsistent offensively, but, man, you were special defensively, you might... It, it might, you know, it's unfortunate, but you might run into the headlines and the conversation being how you weren't good enough. You know what I mean? Whereas if you flip that and if you give your team 35, but you were mediocre defensively, chances are that's going to get overlooked, right? So with Drew, I think he's almost, at least for me, he's like making me kind of make sure I'm looking at the game properly because defensively he's special. And you know, Chris Paul had a wonderful game one and looked like he was just going to dominate this series with Devin Booker. And he, I think Devin started slow, but Chris was great. And all of a sudden, Chris Paul is a turnover machine. And that's not a coincidence. They they put Drew Holiday on him. You know, he's picking him up, you know, really early, uh, which I find funny because if you guys remember Mike Budenholzer jokes going into game two about how his father, he's a high school coach, uh, legendary high school coach outside of Arizona had called him and said, "Yeah, you need to pick up full court. You need to press." You know, and so uh, Drew is the guy doing that. Not, they're not pressing full court, but applying pressure. And so he's been wonderful. Now, offensively, sure, he's frustrating. I mean, man, you know, missing layups, um, looking a little bit, little skittish on the offensive end with certain looks, looking a little bit indecisive. But then he'll have a a special moment. You know, game three, I forget what quarter it was, but he's, you know, driving the lane behind the back, finds a guy. So he's just a little bit inconsistent, but uh, I I do think a significant upgrade from Eric Bledsoe, which is who was filling that role before. So in that that sense, this is exactly what they were hoping for. So, Sam, I like to stick up for the referees uh, because fans so often like to bash them. And, well, and good luck today, Gordon. I mean, it's it's. I mean, look, I understand they're human beings; they make mistakes. But what I don't like yeah. is when star systems come into play and someone is making a call or not making a call based on situations and people involved. But that foul last night committed by Devin Booker and the fact that the ref didn't blow the whistle. I mean, I mourn for the game a little bit. I mean, because that undermines the credibility of what's happening. What are your What are your feelings? Yeah, I agree with you, and I'll be honest, you know, not to go too deep, but you're kind of striking a chord there. Like, So I tweeted last night, and you might have seen it, that I said Devin's getting the star whistle, you know, on that holiday play that you mentioned. And I'll be honest, you know, this is a little bit far afield, but when I covered the, the bubble, 
I got to know the referees way more than I ever had before. Now, James Capers is not one that I got to know. And so I had to honestly ask myself last night, like, it, like it humanized them in the kind of way where I wasn't as prone to assuming the worst, uh, you know, and things of that nature. And when I tweeted that, it was just like, man, am I comfortable with that inference? And I didn't know, I didn't know where else to take the conclusion because it was so obvious. And because I, you also don't want to be naive. It's an $8 billion business during non-COVID times. And, you know, and stars are why people watch, not to be on the bench when it matters most. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, I've been traveling and a little tired today, but, like, there was another play soon after that where he could have got a sixth again. Um, you know, he could have fouled out twice and probably should have. So that that was puzzling. You know, Capers, you know, I guess to his credit, after the game, we had a pool report from the media where he was asked about it. And he indicated that once he saw the replay, he realized he had made a mistake. But, I mean, it's just massive. I mean, you, you, you are happy. We're not rooting, but I am glad that given what happened with that play, that the Suns didn't win only because we just never would have stopped talking about that non-call. So is going back to Phoenix going to be the difference for the Suns, or do they have major adjustments to make? I think that's going to be a, a big difference. Um, I think that the holidays in the Middletons are more comfortable at home. And honestly, I, it does, it really feels like a home court series. So there's part of me that says I wouldn't be shocked to see the Suns run, you know, run them by 20 on, uh, on Saturday. And, you know, I think about guys like DeAndre Aiden who play better at home, uh, Mikhail Bridges. And so, I could see it, and they do have – it's not a home court advantage in name alone. I mean, it's very substantive, very loud, very – you know, honestly, kind of a more – I think we talked about it last week, more aggressive crowd than even the Bucks. The Bucks are very encouraging. And then, you know, like when Giannis is shooting the free throws and he's taking a very long time, you'll get a smattering of Sun fans in Milwaukee that start counting to 10 like they do – in the road gyms everywhere. And so the Bucks fans, it cracks me up. Like rather than screaming at them or shouting them down, the Bucks fans just start chanting MVP to take over the, the, the count to 10, which is like the most polite way ever to get opposing fans to, to you know stop what they're doing. So different crowds, but I think the Suns, uh, they do feed off of that. And I think it should help them in game five. Sam, I, I know a little bit about Chris Middleton's background and followed his career, but I, I've never really talked with him. What What is he like? Because he, he just seems like he goes about his business and uh, is just a hell of a player. Uh, do you know him at all? Have you talked with him? What's he like? I mean, I've probably interviewed him, you know, four or five times. Um, I will say – He's one of those guys that, that I do look, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I wouldn't pretend to know him. On the other hand, I do genuinely look forward to talking to him because he makes it like for a print reporter. He, he clearly doesn't love the cameras. And in that sense, not a real surprise that he and Giannis get along so well. But for print guys and, and like myself, he's very easy to talk to. And he's just extremely normal. I mean, it, you guys can appreciate that where it's like, you know, first of all, just, just being honest, you know, it, it'll wear you out if you've got a, a young guy with incredible talent who 
who was just, you know, dripping ego and, and kind of narcissism. And you do run into that. Chris is, you know, is, is like a guy that you're, you know, your, your uncle's uh, introducing you to, just a friend of the family or something. I don't know that's a weird way to put it, but like very normal. Um, I've had great conversations with him about their culture and about why they're so successful. I remember a quote that, that I always loved um, from a story a couple of years ago where, and it's, you know, I'll give you the PG-13 rated version, but it was, he just said, there's, there's no a-holes in our locker room um, and talked about how they just had good guys who cared about each other. So, you know, he's, he's not dynamic as a personality, but he is pretty authentic and, and I've enjoyed him. Pretty cool. 39th overall pick. You know, having that yeah. kind of success. Well, not only that, but to do it with the kind of pressure that I think I'm not, I don't know if he feels it. He always goes out of his way to tell you politely that he doesn't. He said it last night. He doesn't really care what we write or what people say on TV. But still, like when somebody as talented as Giannis Antetokounmpo chooses for you to be the guy who he's going to run with. And really, that's what's happened here. I mean, if Giannis didn't believe in Chris, he would have been traded already. Um, then that comes with expectations that I, I think, you know, potentially put a lot of pressure on Chris. And so, man, like late in the game after Giannis's block, working off those high screens from the big fella and just making his way into the mid-range looks and burying him. I mean, he won him that game. You know, I mean, yes, I wrote all about Giannis's block, and that was huge. But they needed a couple buckets, and Chris was just absolutely just ice cold, you know, at, at the most important time. So, Sam, I've got to admit, I, I'm a big fan of the real world, right, the the, the uh, reality show. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of watching. Uh, well, I don't, I, you know what? I don't know. I haven't watched a new season in, in a long time, but we used to do. We used to do. Uh, he also loves Real Housewives of Salt Lake I City, do. though, too. I do. So I mean, you got to question his judgment so, there a little bit. My point is, I like watching a good train wreck, really. And <laughs> okay. so I have, with that in mind, I've followed uh, what's going on up in Portland with the Blazers very carefully. And I read, uh, you know, of course, I saw the introductory press conference with Chauncey Billups, which was extraordinary cringe-worthy for a variety of reasons. And the other day I read an, uh, uh, an investigative report in the Oregonian where they basically uh, tried to recreate the back check that the team did into Chauncey Billups, and I said yikes about five times reading that. I've read a little bit about the owner uh, now, uh, Jody Allen, uh, some old reporting from the Seattle Times where there's some interesting things in her past. And I guess I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question. What What is the outcome of all this in Portland? Are they <laughs> Are they going to be forced to to – to make some major changes or even major changes at the coach before that even gets off the ground. What's, I guess, what's going on with the Blazers in your mind? I think it's fluid. Uh, I, you know, I, I do think the media is playing a part and it's, I think it's fair, but some of the coverage and the criticism, um, it's hard to believe that it isn't causing some pretty challenging conversations internally where you've got Jody Allen is well aware i mean like you said she, she's got some stuff in her past on her own and then she's well aware that their longtime gm neil O'Shea has had run of the place for a very long time and, and listen eight consecutive playoff berths and conference finals appearance and there's been a lot of success but 
uh, I, I think the pressure that appears to be rising still because the story's not going away. And the tone, this is, I literally today on the plane talking to another NBA type person told somebody that in another life, I do think that I could be a consultant for PR firms because some of the stuff that they do that I, I think you could have had the foresight to avoid, like the way they handled that press conference. I mean, I think if that press conference goes more smoothly, some of these stories probably don't even get written. But the tone of the press conference was so, you know, borderline arrogant and and just that idea of you're just going to have to trust us. We did our homework. Uh, and then cutting off my colleague, Jason Quick, who covers the Blazers and is a legend in those parts, a guy with a ton of credibility, you know, when he asked a, a real fair question to Chauncey, who seemed like he was prepared to be real honest and open about what that moment did to him as a person and how it shaped him. And they cut him off and they said, no, this question has been asked and answered. Thank you. That, I mean, we're all human. So I think they honestly, it, it, and I'm, this is not any insider knowledge. It feels like from the outside looking in that they almost triggered a few local media folks like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to dig in and do some homework here. And and I think now you're seeing the ripple effect of some of that. So uncomfortable times. And then, of course, off in Las Vegas, you've got Damian Lillard, I'm sure, just watching from a distance going, good Lord, is it going to be any any less of a, a disaster by the time I get back from Team USA? You know, and, and his situation remains, you know, something to watch too. So a question, a comment, and then a question, and it has to do with Damian Lillard. Do you think, Sam, that he will, in fact, finish his career in Portland? And then Jake and I were having a conversation about players in the NBA who signed big deals and then uh, forced trades, essentially. We were talking about Anthony uh, Davis, and we were talking about James Harden and the the ill effect that has on their teams. Uh, do you think that is a situation that we'll, we'll see more often uh, because there is so much power with these players, they're really companies unto themselves. It, will this be a trend, or do you think it'll be the rare exception? Um, to your first question, I would probably, just handicapping, maybe a little bit of recency bias, but I would probably lean towards Damian not finishing in Portland. Um, I don't see the path there right now to for him to get what he wants in order to have him be more content in that city. So we'll see um, as far. And I think it's probably a trend. I think the league's going through a tricky thing right now and I get it for sure, but the players, it's not just a matter of them having power because sometimes I, I think we're a little guilty of, of framing it in the kind of way that it was like they got something that, I'm not saying at all, Gordon, that you were saying this, but that you know that they got a hold of something they didn't totally deserve, and it's like, well, they do sell the tickets and they do bring the people into the building, and um, now what's happening is they are getting more and more savvy and they're demanding to truly understand the power structures within the NBA, which is to say that you know when players look around and say, all right, let me just not blindly take my check from owner X and not even worry about who he is as a human being. Like one example that comes to mind, you know, Doc Rivers, you know, just one of the, the most passionate activists in the NBA for social justice. 
for equality and for everything that players of color are trying to push for. I also often think back to the irony that before these issues were at the forefront to this degree, that that he was getting paid by Donald Sterling for years, and and well aware of some of Donald's history. But you know, I think these issues just hadn't been pressed like they are now. So players are really analyzing every layer. And listen, kind of elephant in the room. I mean, this is what we've been reading about. And Gordon, I enjoyed your column last week about about Donovan and some of the chatter about how he might see things in Utah. Um, so guys look around, and if they don't like the environment they're in, they no longer fear, at least the stars, they don't fear, like, well, I don't want to speak up because I don't know where else I'm going to get this check. Um, the really good ones know they're going to get the check anywhere, and they just then want to be comfortable and be able to sleep well at night, you know, based on who they're working with and for. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it is. Yep. All right, Sam. Well, hey, we uh, love talking with you and uh, enjoy the finals. Enjoy uh, sunny Phoenix. What's the temp down there right now? So it uh, yeah it went down a little bit. I'm happy about that. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it's 97, something like that. So oh, that could be manageable. worse. Yeah, that could be way oh, worse. Yeah. yeah that's not we bad. got a little rain coming through. Right. I was having a good day till welcome to, you know, road life. Uh, literally right as you guys called me, I realized that I left. This is a huge crisis. My electric toothbrush back in Milwaukee. I don't know <laughs> no. what the heck I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> Those things are expensive. I don't blame you. That's, uh, that's no they longer. Are. Thankfully, this thing, was, this thing was on its last leg. It might have been time to get a new one anyway. Ah, so do, you have but, any, yeah, do you have any lingering effects from your helicopter uh, ride uh, in Hawaii? Anything, uh, any damage or anything from that? It's still not great. Um in fact, I mean, I'm, I'm still like I walk fine, but it hurts a lot, and it's probably not healthy that I've been on the road so much that I haven't. I'm supposed to go see a podiatrist and maybe even do some physical therapy, but that hasn't happened. So it's funny you mentioned that because I know we got to go. But did you guys notice or see last week when I wrote about my my hotel lobby exchange with Giannis in Scottsdale? I don't know if it's crossed your desk. I missed that one. Okay, long story short. Giannis and I, it was it was super entertaining. Um, we literally, we were staying in the same hotel, and he lost his room key, and I was at the front desk asking for a new room because of my ankle. I was trying to get closer to the entrance and the exit, so I didn't have to walk as far. And lo and behold, these two kind of moments led to Giannis and I having like a 15-minute discussion in the hotel lobby. So that made my day. And, uh, and so I guess in a roundabout way, I, I got some kind of benefit for for the ankle yeah. injury. Yeah, look at that. Two two injured guys yeah. uh, making their way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's, That's super at the cool. top of their games, yeah. by the way, too. No doubt. So, uh, Sam, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you. See you, buddy. That's our friend Sam Amick uh, covering the finals for the Athletic.